What are cryptocurrencies? Hey, hey, hey. What are NFTs? A non-fungible token. Time to buy Bitcoin. Bitcoin just seems like a scam. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? Bitcoin! Welcome to this final episode of the collaboration between FWB and Ledger, the collaboration between myself, Ian Rogers, and my daughter, Zoe Rogers. Zoe, thank you for doing this with me. We've done 10 episodes now talking about creative custody and what that means to all of these guests. It's been a blast. I can't believe we, uh, I can't believe we pulled it off. I know we, we both have, you know, full-time jobs and daughters, yet we managed to, to, to make the time to have these conversations. And um, it's an amazing time to, to be talking about how technology is affecting creativity. So I hope everybody has enjoyed the series. If you missed any of them, go back and check them out. And we're going to present to you now the final episode where we speak with Priyanka Desai, uh, Priyanka was a founding member of Flamingo Dow. I became acquainted with her through her work with Red Dow and Noise Dow, which are fashion and uh, music collection focused. And with my background in, in uh, luxury fashion and, and digital music, uh, I, I was very curious what they were what they were doing there. So we get into that, where those how those things started. Um, she's also the head of operations at Tribute Labs, which works with many DAOs in terms of helping them function and 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 operate. And we talked to her about how these things came to be, uh, and where she feels the market is now, and where she thinks it goes next. So with that, let's get into our interview with Predesai. Welcome, Priyanka. It's really great to have you with us. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Of course. So let's just start. Well, actually, we, we always start with a very, very important question, which is, what is the most recent concert you've been to? And what was your first ever concert? Um, so my first ever was 98 degrees actually in fifth grade with a friend. And I think it was like Mandy Moore who was just getting off the ground open for them. And then, uh, I know it was, it was, I don't know if you remember 98 degrees, but that's, it was my, it was very exciting for me, just the boy band circuit. Um, and then my last concert what was my last concert? It's been like a, a hot minute, but oh, I saw like Nick Hakim, who's kind of like this like I would say like contemporary jazz person, but like has a little bit of a R and B flavor to him. Oh, I don't know him actually. Okay, Nick Hakim. I will I will check mm -hmm. him out. I, and and where was that? Where was the Nick Hakim show? I think it was at like it was like it's it was in New York. Um, at like a jazz club. Your your background is rich. So give give us a give give us a, you know how did you get to this point? Give us the backstory. Yeah, it's kind of a funny story actually. So um, like Bitcoin was something that was so my family at home would often chat about like random weird finance things and and markets and you know my dad was kind of into that. So Bitcoin was like an early topic of family discussion. And in fact, like my siblings kind of work in adjacent industries now too. But this was like back in, I want to say like 2012, 2013. Um, and then from there, uh, you know, I was kind of reading about it, 
wasn't much out there. Ended up going to law school uh, and decided to write a, um, so everyone in law school has to write like a, a paper their second year. And so I decided to write something about Bitcoin, actually like, like through a stroke of luck, um, ended up coming across an article uh, where Aaron Wright, who is the CEO and founder of Tribute Labs, was quoted, but he was also a professor at my law school. It was just very random. And it was on this article, like a political article on Bitcoin. And so I just like reached out to him. And I was like, hey, do you want to like look at this, you know, crypto note? Or do you want to do my like legal note? Uh, and would you mind supervising it? Got to know him. He introduced me to Ethereum back in like 2015, 2016, I want to say. Because he's like, instead of Bitcoin, maybe you should, you know, write your note about uh, Ethereum. There's this thing called smart contracts and you should check it out. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll check it out. Ended up writing about Ethereum. Worked with him my last year of law school through the startup clinic and helping various projects in the space who are seeking uh, legal help and advice through the law school. And then he started Open Law as I was graduating, which was like 2017-ish. Uh, so that initial like hype cycle, if you will. And I was like, oh, maybe crypto could be like a real opportunity. I spent some time working at um, a company called R3, which is like a financial fintech blockchain consortium. And then also spent some time at like a regulatory agency uh, that was kind of doing some crypto regulation and, and bit licensing work. And then from there, Open Law, uh, we use Open Law to kind of focus solely on the for-profit investment DAOs, rebranded to Tribute Labs, and now have been with you know, open between open law and tribute labs for about five and a half years. So that was very long, but it's kind of an interesting story. It's actually not very long considering everything that's happened, you know, through it. And I, I guess I'm, I'm curious, like through that, what's like, where, where's your conviction lie at this point? Like, um, you know, you've, 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 I, I, I like that you started, you know, with Bitcoin and then went from there into, you know, ETH and, and, and Dow land. So you, you have, you know, a pretty, a pretty broad, um, appreciation of, of crypto, like where, what's your, what's your, what are your personal convictions around crypto at this point? Yeah. I mean, that's a really good question. There's so many different avenues. I think like from, I mean, I think this has played out and a lot of people have said this, but I definitely see like Ethereum as almost like this, like software stack, uh, which I think we all kind of agree. There's a lot of apps that are building on it. It almost feels like that is like the social layer and consumer layer. Um, Bitcoin, I still am a huge, I, it's not like I'm one or the other kind of fan. Uh, Bitcoin, obviously, I see sort of like the store value. I also just have an affinity towards it, just given like the history of it and impact it had on my life. So like, I am always going to be a fan of that as far as like a store value type of asset. I think what like I am excited about um, and have pretty high conviction on is this idea of just like crypto and Ethereum as like an extension of the existing internet. Um, this idea of adding like a, like almost like a gamified, financialized social component that, you know, existed, that exists in the internet, but like extending that and augmenting it with crypto is super interesting to me. So a lot of that is like consumer facing. I think what we saw with Web2, which did really well and which was very groundbreaking, is it kind of made like the information, the sharing of information extremely flat. Um, you know, you, platforms like Reddit, Twitter, or now X, um, were are were groundbreaking for that era. And of course, like we have the gig economy and peer to peer, uh, peer to peer music and other things that also kind of was was huge for that era. 
of of the internet. But I think what crypto does well is it kind of like rolls that up in a way that's very coherent. And so I think from like the information and consumer aspect, I have like pretty high conviction on. I think like this last cycle for NFTs is also emblematic of that. So I'm really excited to see what comes. I think like there's going to be a lot on that social layer that we haven't quite seen yet. And like, I think the infrastructure is still getting built. Um, but my thinking is like, you know, the, the internet is great. And I think it's going to shift even just a little bit more um, with crypto and, and make things just a little bit more cohesive. And again, we've heard people say this, but it's going to like create this internet that I think uh, it was kind of like the OG sentiment around the internet originally, rather than like pe- like a couple people checking like five websites. Um, so breaking that up a, get, up a bit and, and making it, um, yeah, making it just a little bit more uh, uh, interesting, I think is from a consumer standpoint is what I'm looking forward to on the crypto side. Cool. And then I actually was curious, could you talk a little bit about the work that you've done with um, Flamingo Dow and kind of how that fits in to your to your everyday life and, you know, also just kind of the cultural side of things. How do you see that kind of fitting in? Yeah. So um, I've been with Tribute Labs now, like I noted, for about five and a half years. And so we started focusing on DAOs fairly early on. So um, the Lao was the first DAO that we helped service and support. And so by service and support, I mean, we kind of help um, on like the tech product side, but also like day-to-day, you know, operational support, uh, just kind of making sure that the DAOs are, 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 you know, organizing calls, like making sure that the DAOs are, are, and the members are sort of able to focus on uh, various projects and NFTs and, and kind of really actually spend time talking to each other. So we kind of try to take a lot of that laboring or off the plate um, of these DAOs. And so, like I noted, the Lao was the first of about like 24 different DAOs that we support uh, members with so the I'm Lao. Sorry. I'm, I'm really curious how that, how that, how that got started. Like what was the, what was the initial thinking of, um, of Tribute Labs? I'm also curious how it's evolved, but it, you're saying that the, the initial kind of premise was to help DAOs structure and, and, you know, run with a rhythm and governance, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of, it's just like, honestly, like making it such that the members can focus on like the fun stuff. So like when it comes to like drafting the proposals and doing that, like, you know, we're happy to take that on should the members want, but they obviously can too. Um, And so that kind of came just organically through, you know, a real need that I think, you know, Aaron and and the rest of the team saw. Um, And so, you know, with, so the reason like the Lao even launched was we started seeing the proliferation of DAOs again. So I don't know if you guys remember, but like in 2015, 2016, I think it was, we had that original DAO where people pulled together capital in, in an effort to invest in different companies through a democratic process. And fundamentally, that idea is strong. It was interesting. Unfortunately, there was like a lot of both technical and uh, legal issues around the original DAO. And in, in an effort to kind of revitalize that vision, we thought like, why not kind of do that in a way that complies with the law, but also, um, you know, it is, is there's obviously going to be no like technical um, issues. And we started seeing the um, rise of the Moloch smart contracts in like May of 2019 and st- thought like, why not take the Moloch framework, extend that in the for-profit context 
um, and then launched the Lao uh, with that. And then realized through that launch of the Lao and through the app and creating the product that there is like a real need for some of the service that can be provided around DAOs. So that was kind of the vision. It kind of happened on its own in a very organic fashion. Um, Flamingo kind of came out of the Lao community. So the Lao's like one of the Lao's first investments, I think in like May of 2020 was um, super rare, uh, which I'm sure you guys both are familiar with. Um, and so there was definitely a few members within the Lao that were very interested in consumer crypto in this idea of, you know, art on chain for provenance and even just like the notion of digital art, uh, it felt very organic for it to live on chain. And so there was like a conversation within the Lao about possibly buying, you know, some art and, and works from super rare in the Lao, which kind of bled into this totally different conversation of creating an entirely new DAO that was focused on just collecting NFTs. And at that point, there was de definitely like you could see a little bit moving like in the summer of 2020 um, and that there was definitely an audience for for NFTs at that point. Um, so then we like we Tribute Labs and, and members of Lao kind of helped incubate Flamingo in October 2020. So kind of great timing as far as like I, if you guys remember, I feel like that initial Beeple sale on, on Nifty was like in December 2020. So there was a lot of early conversations. It was a great community of people. It didn't fill up right away. I think it actually was open for like six or eight months after it launched, just because I don't think anyone was really thinking about collecting NFTs at that point. Um, and so that was kind of the early conception story. As far as like, you know, Flamingo and its um, kind of impact on my life and what, what I'm interested, you know, from a personal standpoint, I've always really loved art and always kind of had affinity towards digital art as well. And so I think this was kind of like this amazing collaboration of my personal interests and also, um, you know, what I would have been doing in my career. And so it was kind of incredible to think about uh, having a collection or hive mind of people decide what to collect together. And, you know, we have weekly calls. Uh, so a lot of those interesting conversations of, hey, like what, what kind of artists are we interested in? What's like a, a new genre of artists we should focus on? Like they were very early on Ixchels, for example, um, you know, what, why are CryptoPunks this iconic collection? Like those are con the conversations that the DAO was having in like, you know, uh, October, 2020, they started, uh, you know, minting off of art blocks and squiggles around like November and, and December, 2020, and started thinking about like this impact of generative art and how algorithms and uh, on chain would actually it was actually like this net new interesting concept and so as a result like really kind of went behind art blocks um, since they were kind of like the first to kind of play around with that in the space so yeah I mean it's it's kind of incredible because in the moment we I didn't really realize like the impact of this group of people and the impact of Flamingo um, and then we just saw like the last couple of years play out. And it, so it's been kind of this thing where it's like in the moment you kind of just find it interesting. And then you look back and you're like, well, this is in a way like a pretty historic thing that uh, I've been able to be a part of. So it's totally. it was great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, been, a, it's, it's been like a pleasure. And yeah. Well, and then you've extended those into fashion and music. Can you talk about those? Yeah. So what was interesting and kind of like similar to the incubation story from the loud to Flamingo um, 
a lot of the members of Flamingo started thinking about different categories of NFTs and, and digital assets. And so um, one of those was digital fashion. Um, I think there was like that initial Dolce & Gabbana launch. Um, I want to say it was like October, November 2021. Uh, and so there was several members within Flamingo and then like the larger community that felt like digital art was going to be a massive category or sorry, digital fashion would be a massive category. So digital fashion, meaning like skins, you know, gaming assets, um, VR fashion, uh, redeemable. So like physical, digital, I think that there was many different aspects that many people felt like could fit in and develop like a quote thesis around this idea of digital fashion. We already started seeing it in web two through like Roblox and other gaming items. And so uh, that was something that launched and was really helped uh, bootstrapped by the Flamingo community. Um, and then similarly, we have NoiseDAO, which also was bootstrapped by several members of the Flamingo community that felt like music on chain um, was going to be a new way to consume it and collect and really kind of thinking about music as not only like a, a something that one consumes, but even like a collectible as well. Uh, so that that that's been um, pretty interesting. And then as a result of that, like we've had other DAOs that have sort of spun out, if you will, like from or been incubated by existing members of, of the community. So it's like a little bit more niche in some of these. But what's great is like you have these domain experts that are really geeked on fashion or really geeked on music that are in these DAOs and talking about it all the time. And not only talking about it and collecting, but thinking mm. about like what's next. Um, so there's a lot of conversation about you know, right now and in, in right now about like generative fashion, for example, uh, and, and thinking about the projects that are kind of fitting into a trend that a lot of the members are seeing. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how a lot of these DAOs came to be. Like we at Tribute Lab just kind of helped foster that, but uh, really it's like the members and the market like driving what's next, which is really fun. Well, and, and the, the Flamingo group is, you know, they're early to have, you know, conviction. That's why I asked you a question about your current convictions earlier. What would you say the sentiment is today kind of in the, in the, in the depths of, you know, an NFT winter? Where is, where are, where are, where are people's heads at now? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, obviously people have their own kind of thoughts and, and uh, opinions as to where we're going, but I guess like if I had to summarize it, um, I think a lot of people obviously feel like this is pretty depth of the, the the market, if you will. Like, But as far as the actual innovation and projects that we've seen come, a lot of people are kind of sitting on the sidelines with really interesting things coming out. And so we've seen, I mean, there's high conviction in the space. Like no one is, you know, walking away. I think people feel like probably, and I, maybe I'm speaking for them, but I, I think like when it comes to hype cycles, that's kind of a natural thing when a new technology emerges. And so um, I think it's it can be good for ecosystems to kind of go through that, uh, especially when it's like a new tech. But yeah, for the most part, I think uh, there's a lot of conviction around the space. I think there's a lot of great new generative work. There's also people, there's plenty of people that are experimenting with that. Like, I feel like, you know, even thinking about generative fashion, like I thought the Luke Shannon uh, Gucci collaboration uh, at Christie's was super interesting. Um, so I think that we're seeing like pockets of talk about that for people that are, for people that aren't aren't familiar with what that collaboration was. Yeah, so Luke Shannon, I think it was like Christie's like mid it was like in mid July, um, had a collaboration with Gucci where basically they took um, like suiting 
and created like generative, basically turned that into like a generative code. And then is it allows like whoever bought to effectively own the code of this suit and like have fabric and produce as many as you want based on this algorithm, which I think is kind of interesting. It's a little bit different than having like generative items for or like uh, a, a cohesive set with like generative pieces. Um, but like it's like the code itself allowed like this new suiting to occur, which I think is really cool. And I guess, you know, I'm 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 curious you know what what you think of um you know might be next for digital fashion and music and what is, what does it take for those things to have kind of the the you know the mind share that you know that digital art has i think you know from my perspective you know there was um there was you know a hype a hype cycle around nfts as you said you know if any technological innovation this is exactly what happens you get um overexcitement, a gold rush, a bubble. Um, and then you get, you, you know, you get 30 years of, of sustained growth. And I think, you know, certainly, you know, generative art has, as you know, come out as something that is, you know, truly innovative, real community collectors, um, you know, buoyancy on value, et cetera. Um, and I, I think, you know, you and I both talked a lot about, you know, fashion and music with, you know, with, with my background and I'm, I'm curious, you know, where you think that goes and, you know, what it takes, um, you know, for those to, to kind of get, you know, more interest. And, you know, one thing I noticed is that a lot of the games that people started working on, you know, in the, in the beginning of the last or the middle, maybe of the last hype cycle are coming to market today because building games takes a long yeah. time. So I'm, I'm curious if that or something else, um, you know, is, is, uh, is necessary. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot about like the gaming narrative right now as as like a means for maybe something like digital fashion and you know because it kind of if you see a lot of the even web two games like fashion and other things kind of sit alongside that. So I definitely think that that could be a piece of it. Um, I think a lot of it is just going to be like, and again, this is something that I think I've heard a ton of people say is kind of really having folks understand like why the narrative around you know ownership and this like peer-to-peer -peer marketplace is interesting. I think that that sometimes, like, even when I'm talking to my friends who are not necessarily, like, internet or crypto native, like, they, that part is sort of left. And I think the other thing, and again, this is also noted, too, is that, um, yeah, the notion of, like, having to download a MetaMask and then pinning it on your browser and then having to actually buy it and participate in a Discord and just, like, that entire stack, I feel like, requires really like a level of understanding of the internet that might not be super native to a lot of people. And maybe that's okay. Um, I think part of that is going to be generational. Like me as someone in my mid thirties, like my friends are kind of all over the map when it comes to their like technical uh, prowess and their ability to like want to go through that, through those hoops. But then if you look at like younger generations, you know, I was actually reading like some Gen Z report as far as like how they like to spend their time. And um, you know, it's kind of, a, a, as opposed to like maybe boomers and even millennials, like Gen Z probably wants to spend, or it, this report noted that they would spend just as much time in, as uh, on video games as they do, you know, entertainment movies and then like TikTok and other kind of social media apps. So like if you have more people gaming, if you have like just it's your, your time is split amongst like these kind of new media formats, my feeling is that you're just going to have more of those people interested and willing to play around with the tech. I think that that turnover is just going to take a little bit of time, more hype cycles, probably. Um, obviously, we want it to be positive. And I think that 
it's just also like creating a better energy in the space too. I think to some extent there's like a little bit of um, like a specific reputation in the space that I feel like maybe should just be a little bit more friendly and open, but I think that's just going to take time. And again, like new technologies. I'm, I'm just... actually, can we pause on that for just one second? Because I, I really feel the same yeah. way. I mean, you're, you're talking about just kind of the overall attitude and sentiment. Um, for, for me, when I think about this, I think some of this is just sort of natural when you're dealing with an internet of value in a way, or a, um, of course, like the stakes are higher. The snake oil salesmen are going to be, I think about like, okay, how could yeah. I, you know, sort of defraud people in the, um, you know, dot-com bubble, you know, it's all kind of in the, in the we work sort of way, right? Like, like that was sort of like the, the natural, um, conclusion of that, like that way of doing things, which is like, I'm just going to raise tons of money at a bigger and bigger valuation. And ultimately, you know, somebody's going to get left holding the bag. It's like a, it's like an above the board, um, you know, Ponzi scheme in a way. Whereas, yeah. you know, with, with crypto, you just have Ponzi schemes. Like they're just, it's just like, you can just create one of those, which, you know, actually just, you know, clouds the sentiment for absolutely everything around it. And it's very difficult then to get people to understand how different art blocks is, you know, it's just spiritually, you know, and, and sentiment wise, like how, how does that happen? Does it just work itself out over time or is an internet of value kind of fundamentally like cursed from a sentiment perspective? I know that's a really, I've thought a lot about that and it kind of bugs me to think about the latter point where it's like, is the speculative economy is like the internet of value kind of just innately incapable of escaping that narrative arc. I'd like to think so because I just, to your point, like I feel like those kind of actors wash out, we'll get hopefully some like legal clarity and, and there, you know, people just end up playing in, in the right sandbox. The people who are doing the right things organically do well because they rise to the top because there's trust and people want to people are at the end of the day like you know good faith actors i think um obviously you have like these characters online which again to your point like even like the gold rush the early railroads like there's there was always like the like quote grifters and so i think that um that will eventually get washed out i think ideally though like some having some control over that narrative because there's so many incredible things happening like between you know like we were just noting art blocks and i think even like our DAOs and the members like there's just so much authentic interesting thought that's going into like how can we make the internet better using this technology just from a fundamental level whether that's consumer infrastructure whatever i kind of wish that those narratives tended to proliferate upwards um but I mean, ideally, like if those are true, then it eventually will. I just think that we're in like this area where um, the the loudest voices tend to to get attention, and and my feeling is like that stuff kind of flames out over time. That's kind of what I'm telling myself. But um, I think that that will happen. I just don't know what the right answer is, like how we go about it. You know, should there be some like co coherent strategy? Like it's kind of hard to do that. So. Um, yeah, I think I think the good stuff will 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 rise to the top, and you see that with art blocks too, and and generative art. Like the traditional art collectors that I've spoken to, the one thing that resonates to them is that in this whole space is probably generative art. I think it makes the most sense to them. Uh, they like the work; it kind of resonates. Resonates. There's some like history with like the 1950s, 60s computer art, um, and so I think that like 
that logically has sit with them. And so I think, you know, we're going to see more of that, but um, I think that there's other forms of this and, you know, there's other use cases, provenance and, and what have you that people will eventually see. Um, so that's my long winded answer of, I don't know, but I think that like, ideally it'll just kind of come out. And I, I think we're even seeing like some of those bad actors get washed out too. And I'm looking forward to that period of time. Um, I'm ready for it. Yeah. And I just wonder, like, you know, from a Tribute Labs perspective, you know, when you're thinking about how we get there, maybe legal interventions, those kinds of things, since that is, you know, kind of your background, you know, I just was curious, are there any like exciting things that Tribute's working on currently, like kind of what's up next there? And and if there's anything you you wanted to chat about um, that you guys are working on right now at Tribute? Yeah. So, I mean, right now we're really just kind of focused on how do we make these DAOs like a place for so it's not really even legal because like structure wise you know we really go out of our way to to make sure that things are above board we're doing everything the right way we're like preempting anything like really want to make sure that things are tight there um as far as like new uh this may be outside legal but as far as like just really supporting these communities like we're thinking about new ways to do that so how do we bind these people from the internet that are meeting once a week talking for an hour and a half um, you know, sharing articles, sharing memes, talking, you know, the, the, the conversation ranges from highbrow to lowbrow. Uh, and everyone is, you know, there's founders, operators, investors, VCs, like there's a slew of different musicians, um, fashion people, like people from the traditional art world. I think it ranges, which is great. And we have this great network. And, you know, I think through all the, the DAOs combined, we have about over 600 unique members at this point. And so it's like, how do we even amplify that. So like even in periods of, you know, depth and, and despair, as I get, you know, not to be melodramatic, but a lot of people are feeling now, it's like, how do we make sure people feel like this is like the, the home for them to kind of collaborate with each other? So we've been as a team thinking deeply about that. That means like, and, you know, at the end of the day, digital is awesome, but we want to strengthen ties in person. Um, yeah, having intimate, city dinners so like for example we kind of ruled out this thing where people from every major city around the world i think it's like 14 but we, we found that we have pockets of members at and, and kind of having intimate dinners where people can connect like we've had members say that they have a lot of um social connections through their work in other ways and, and feel really comfortable but they've actually feel like these communities are, are, are like the areas where they can feel most at home and like talk about things intellectually and and we kind of want to foster that stimulation, both digitally and, and in the physical realm, too. So we've been kind of leaning into that a little bit lately, especially as like the market is so down and even just thinking about like what's next. Uh, so a lot of the DAOs have been like teeing up these conversations of like, what do we think will happen uh, next and what's really interesting for the next cycle? Uh, and so that's that's been like another fun kind of topic we've seen across different DAOs, too. That's great. And really on theme for this uh, series that Zoe and I have been doing is the collaboration between Ledger and FWB. So that, um, you know, we, I think that's something that we've been thinking a lot about too, is, you know, from my perspective, we have this this new technological capability that's an overlay on the internet that, that we've all been using for the last 30 years. Um, and we're trying to figure out exactly how to best use it. So I think, you know, it's, it's great to, to, to hear from you on, on what on what you and tribute and flamingo and noise and red and, and are, are doing with it. You know, we, we themed this, um, podcast series on creative custody. And then we pretty quickly realized that like those words meant something different to each of us. Um, so we've been asking every guest 
in one of our three final questions, you know, what does creative custody mean to you? Um, I would say creative custody. Uh, it's a good question. I guess just having ownership over uh, my or anyone's, you know, creative thoughts. And I think to some extent, like crypto is a great way to do that. I mean, you could literally memorialize your creativity on chain. So I think just, you know, maybe that's a vague answer, but that's, that's kind of how, what comes to mind for me. I think it's actually something that is underappreciated about, about the technology. I mean, I've, I've started, you know, taking the photographs I take and, and simply putting them there, even though I'm not a, you know, I'm not planning to sell them, but you know, it's a simple question. You know, oh, will my cool. daughters, will my daughters have access to my iCloud account in 30 years? I don't know if iCloud will even exist as Ben Arano said yeah. um, to Steve Jobs once famously. Um, he said, you know, in 20 years, I'm not sure if people use your phones. I'm sure they drink Dom Perignon. Um, but the, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm, I would say I'm certain that this blockchain exists or some derivative of it will exist. And, and, you know, and that, and that ultimately they're, they're, they will, you know, in some ways outlive humans. So I, I like, I like that answer. Absolutely. So then another, like one of our kind of um, questions that we, we like to ask at the end of all of this. So, you know, we're, we've talked a lot about kind of how we've evolved from web two to web three and how the, you know, obviously the products that we had uh, in web two look very different than now we're thinking about kind of creativity and community and culture. Um, and so we're asking everyone to kind of um, give their form of advice for people that are trying to kind of transition into this new space. Like what are the things that you think about? Um, and especially, I guess, in this uh, current timing in the space, um, just advice to people that want to kind of break into this uh, new sector. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, so I think what people need to really about crypto is sometimes I feel like this is a totally, this is just reminded me of like a thought that I've had. I feel like sometimes crypto and the people in the industry tend to go a little bit too much into the tech. I think it's fascinating to a lot of people, but like what's really interesting is, is not necessarily the, the crypto, the tech itself. It's kind of like how it's utilized. So if you're someone who works in fashion, or you're someone who works in design, or you're someone who works in any creative industry, or frankly, like any tech industry, you could, or fintech, it could be, let's say, you could look at that industry and find some sort of parallel in crypto that will address that or have some sort of new, interesting solution. So, like, my advice is, like, just look at what you're interested in. There's probably some mirrored framing or project or someone who is also interested in that, but applying, like, crypto principles or uh, blockchain use cases to that. So, if you're an artist, then obviously, as we know, you're going to find tremendous amount of people my advice to that would be just honestly go on like x or, or twitter start following them join a discord start just jumping into any community that will that's kind of what happens to me in a way it's like you just jump into a community you meet people in that community you then kind of find out about new things you explore you start reading on something you know written by someone on a sub stack that link will lead to something else and then you just kind of find yourself down this rabbit hole where you're just simply learning um, you know, what I've noticed about this space, too, is that people are incredibly generous with their time. So if you find someone and you're really interested in what they're doing, uh, reaching out, having a conversation over chat, or even, you know, if you can do a 30-minute call, many people are down for that. Um, so it's it's actually quite accessible, I think. So honestly, it's just about, like, what you personally are interested in and finding that, like, crypto counterpart um, through the internet and asking around if you need to. 
I read a sociological paper in college about um, night as frontier, and they were com they were comparing you know the nighttime to the Wild West, basically, and uh, you know it's a more dangerous and b more friendly. Uh, so I, I think that I think that we can say that you know crypto is 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 genuinely that's a good point. Um, you know, frontier uh, is is the right way to yeah. put it. And then as a final yeah. question, for me the conviction comes from knowing this technology will be used for a variety of things such as identity and payments. And, you know, there are these sort of obvious things that, that, you know, will be fixed by the, by this technology. What's something um, that's difficult to imagine today, but you think will be part of everyday life 20 years from now? Part of everyday life, um, you know, using crypto. I mean, yeah, to your point, I feel like the, the, the payments and identity, I mean, I think actually, a trend that we're seeing and maybe it's just because this is on the mind now but um some of like the uh web3 social mechanics like obviously even today many of us are on social media but i mean you could every day uh if not for hours a day and so i think that there's going to be like a huge consumer crypto movement towards web3 social front tech is sort of emblematic of that um but i think that there will be some sort of tie-in within like, you know, new age social media, people kind of dropping NFTs on their audience, people dropping, um, you know, meme memes on their audience with a token tied to it. I think that like, there could be kind of like this funny thing where like the, you know, a, a community of people or an influencer um, of sorts can start engaging their audience in like an entirely different way that's like entirely end-to-end -end digital native as opposed to like maybe Instagram where it's like linked to a shirt you could buy. Um, so I think that we're going to see like an augmentation of social media that people probably use on a fairly daily basis. That's going to be like extremely consuming, but like interesting and weird. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks for, oh. thanks for joining us for, for the series. And I, I hope I, I hope I get to see you in person at, at one of these in-person meetups. I so. know me too. Me too. Thank cool. you so much. Really appreciate it. This content is provided for informational purposes only and is the sole expression of our opinion and should not be relied upon as legal, business, investment, or tax advice. Do your own research. Any loss or profit is your sole responsibility. Stay safe.